Welcome to another episode of the Sports Rap Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio. It's your boy, Sports Rap D, in the building. I'm here. I'm ready to go. And we're going to get to it. So I'm going to right now, I'm going to go into your scores and your updates from Saturday. I'm sorry, from Sunday. And, you know, we're going to get right to it. Uh, I'm going to leave the NBA scores for last so we can get into our NBA conversation and into that NBA dialogue. But one of the things I do want to get to real quick and mention to you all is that there are a couple stories that I wanted to add in that I just remembered and just saw, and I'm going to get to them right now. So those stories are and here they go. The due to the coronavirus, uh, there were a lot of schools that took some losses and financial gains from their sports program. So the SEC is aiding schools in their financial losses, and they are distributing supplemental revenue to all 14 members of the SEC. This is like a COVID relief for them. So um, it shows some. Uh, integrity amongst you know the ranks and the upper uh, board members of the SEC who are given a uh, refund a supplemental revenue to all 14 schools in the SEC we are back again uh, Facebook live uh, shout outs to everyone that tuned in on that first segment um, uh, who was that uh, Stan Groovy Laws Nate Phillips Leslie Cuff thank you all for tuning in thank you for being loyal partners and supporters and listeners the next thing i want to get to before i get into the scores and i mentioned to you mentioned this to you in the opening i want to talk a little bit about the issue with the tokyo doctors um that are urging for the cancellation of the 2021 olympics so just a little history we all know we were in a pandemic kind of still in a pandemic for the past 17 months we understood and we saw what type of impact, major impact it had on the sports world in the States in general and just throughout the entire world. So things got started up again. But if we all remember in the very beginning, and these are not my thoughts, these are just facts that were pointed out. The initial talk about this coronavirus was that it started overseas in that Asian community. And I, I'm not bashing or anything like that. I'm just giving you some facts of how this played out leading up to where we are now with them, with Tokyo urging the cancellation of the 2021 Olympics. And, you know, it's due, of course, to COVID-19. And I, I totally understand their standpoint on that because it's a major issue. Like I said, we've been in a pandemic for 17 months. Not an epidemic, but a pandemic. And I understand here in the city of Philadelphia, in the state of Pennsylvania, and prior to that, other states um, are beginning to loosen up, um, lessen some of the restrictions and things of that nature, opening some more things up. But when you have the Olympics, you have teams and persons individuals athletes coaches and other sorts coming from all parts of the world and it's a it could be a bad mix and i think this is where they're going with this with their um initial thoughts of urging the cancellation because you can't keep track on what people were doing outside of your part of the world and now you want to bring all of these people in together. And I understand there are models. Like I said, I always praise the NBA for them having the bubble. And then other teams in the United States, other leagues, professional leagues in the United States took some of that and formed their own bubbles and things of that nature. But it would be extremely harder with that many people. Like I said, there's people coming from all over the world, not just, uh, in the United States and different cities and different countries or different states. But these are people coming from all over the world. 
And we know how hard we were hit in the States with the pandemic. We saw news about other parts of the country that were hit. But as the media does, those parts that we saw outside of the United States were more so what people were considering centered focal points of the coronavirus. So it wasn't everything. There were particular countries that were broadcast to us and we got information about them or got stuff about them, but not the way the Olympics is. And if you haven't seen an Olympics in your life, you're crazy for one, but you understand how many people from different countries are there. So we're talking Summer Olympics. And just to give you a quick, you got basketball, you've got track and field, and just to name a few sports that are involved. So you'll have members of all of these sports teams, all of these athletes that will compete against one another in a large number of sports. So they're thinking safety here, and they're probably thinking that there's no way that they could contain something if an outbreak, God forbid, were to happen. I mean, we saw what a mess just baseball was when they started back up and how that breakout and those outbreaks in baseball affected the baseball season and the players there. And then there were NBA players who had remnants, had health and, pro- health and safety protocols, uh, yada, 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 things like that. So we know how tight it was just in the States, but just imagine all these countries with all of these athletes and all these coaches and other people representing different countries, so many different countries coming together in one area to have an Olympics where God only knows what could happen. And again, I think they're going on the lines of if something were to happen, how are we going to contain this with all of these people? You know, it's a little easier when you have, let's say, the NBA in a bubble. You can put guidelines in and restrictions in for those teams. And the way the NBA did it was like they didn't bring every team in the league. They had invited teams that were in contention for playoffs in that bubble. So it's going to be more, a lot more difficult Frank, when Frank is tuned in, it's going to be a lot more difficult and a lot more astringent to get that done. So I understand where they're going when they say um, they, they are urging the cancellation of the 2021 Olympics. So let's get right into it. Let's get your scores out so we can get into this playoff talk. And I am definitely going to spend some time on the Sixers and... I am also going to talk about the games over the weekend in general. I may even, not may, I'm going to go back to a couple things that are fresh in my mind from Saturday, Um, especially that controversial call late in that game one, Milwaukee-Miami game, but I'll get to that in a few minutes. So here we go. Sunday, Major League Baseball scores. The Orioles fall in a close one to the Nationals, 6-5. The Phillies... Get one over the Red Sox in that series. They beat them 6-2 yesterday. The Yankees edge out the White Sox 5-4. The Rays beat the Blue Jays 6-4. The Brewers beat up a little bit on the Reds 9-4. The Twins beat the Indians 8-5. The Mets fall to the Marlins 5-1. The Pirates fall to the Braves 7-1. The Royals uh, beat the Tigers 3-2. The Rangers also by a score 3-2 defeat the Astros. The Rockies outlast the Diamondbacks 4-3. The Dodgers put something on the Giants, take that game 11-5. And another close one, the A's fall to the Angels 6-5. The Mariners fall to the Padres 9-2. And closing out your baseball scores for yesterday, May 23rd, the Cubs edge out the Cardinals 2-1. In NHL playoffs. The NHL is in the playoffs as well. The Hurricanes fall to the Predators 4-3. The Avalanche defeat the Blues 5-2. to 
The Bruins defeat the Capitals 3-1, and the Jets outlast the Oilers 5-4. In WNBA Sunday, Liberty defeat the Sky 93-85. The Mystics fall to the Fever 89-77, and the Sun defeat the Aces 72-65. Giving you scores from yesterday's playoff games, all of these are were game ones. Our beloved Philadelphia 76ers stick with it. They stem the tide. They defeat the Wizards 125-118. The Los Angeles Lakers fall to the Suns 99-90. I'm going to talk a little bit about that game a little bit later on. The Hawks on a last second shot buzzer beater by Trey Young defeat the Knicks 107-105. So Nate McMillan should be happy about that. And the Grizzlies, number eight seed, go into Utah and defeat the Jazz, 112-109. So those are your scores from the weekend in sports yesterday. So let's get right into our NBA dialogue. It is no better time than right now, currently, so let's get it cracking. Before I get into yesterday's games, I want to talk about the Heat Bucks game on Saturday, game one, which went into overtime. The Bucks ultimately prevailed in overtime. But during that game, and, and, and I sent a message to uh one of my friends, my co-workers that I talked about, talked to basketball about a lot. And I'm sure when I see him later today that we will definitely pick up that conversation um in regards to that text. There was a 10-second call late in that game. Now, if you don't understand, if you don't know the entire rules of basketball, when a player is shooting a free throw, once the player receives the ball, they have 10 seconds to get that shot off. In the fourth quarter, I believe it was maybe a minute 26 left, very tight game, playoff game nonetheless. There was a 10-second call called on Giannis for the free throw line, which hurt them for that moment. As a fan, former player, former coach, and a referee, I don't feel like that call should have been made at that particular moment. Um, it was the fourth quarter, like I said, about a minute 26 left in the game, in a tight game, a playoff game nonetheless. So you called this 10 seconds on this gentleman who went through his routine. And we've seen basketball plenty of times. We all watch basketball. We've seen a lot of players have routines at the free throw line. So if he went through his entire routine he that wasn't the first time that he shot free throws. He shot free throws throughout the game earlier, prior to the fourth quarter, prior to that particular moment. So why wasn't it called earlier in the game, for that matter? Uh, I think there was some side dialogue between the Miami Heat staff and the referees that could have prompted the call. But again, as... An official, my knowledge and being and my experience and being in that situation and a little bit taking it a step further just for me and maintaining my integrity as an official in a playoff situation. At that point, I don't feel like that call should have been made there. If, again, he has a routine. So he didn't just shoot free throws. Those weren't his first two free throws throughout that game. And that changed the game for a moment. And ideally, as a referee, you want to be astute with your calls. You want to be focused with your calls. Of course, you're going to be adamant about your calls. But at that particular moment, 
you kind of give the impression that you're going to decide the outcome of the game, which is not something that is warranted at that particular moment. Again, especially in a playoff game. You just can't make that call at that particular moment when you haven't made that call all game long. It could have been the downfall for the Bucks to uh, lose that game. Excuse me. But it didn't happen. They ended up picking it up. They moved on. They ended up going into overtime. And they ended up winning that game. If you remember... Miami Heat went to the finals last year and they beat the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals in a bubble to get to the NBA Finals to face off against the LA Lakers. So there's some history there, some recent history there. There arguably could be some animosity there. And again, just that playoff atmosphere it is especially the kind of atmosphere where you want the players to decide the outcomes of those games. So for me, I, I think that was a call that could have been detrimental to the Bucks. Again, like I said, ultimately they we all saw that they did get to overtime and they did end up winning that game in overtime. But in my opinion, if that call wasn't made, the game doesn't go into overtime. It was, again, for that particular moment, a momentum shift for Miami that was aided by the officiating. And we all know how we've talked for the past couple years about officiating in general, not just in the NBA, but we've talked about it in the NFL and all the way across the board. We talked about how shabby or questionable uh, the officiating has been that just brings the point to life to the forefront of the concerns that should be around or should be about with the officiating in these games and like again I say again I'm going to say it time and time again especially in the playoffs those are calls that you just can't make it, it the playoffs are for the players. You have to let the players decide the outcomes of those games. It's not for the officials to change the momentum again, which they did for that moment. The officials are there to keep order, keep peace, and help the game flow along. It's up to the players to win or lose that game and the coaching staff to win or lose that game. So in my opinion, um, that call was a bad call didn't need to be made at that particular point in that game and that's pretty much all i have to say about that i'm gonna leave that there for right now I'll let you think about that marinate that marinate let that marinate with you for a little bit so we move on to yesterday's games i'm gonna go i'm gonna jump around a little bit and i'm gonna talk grizzlies jazz for right now Again, the number eight seed goes in and defeats the number one team in the West, the number one team in the league overall, in their building. 112-109 to take a 1-0 lead in that series. So, as we all like to say, the road team got the one game that they needed. They started out there, they stole a game there in Utah. So it was a game that they needed. It looked like they wanted it more. There was some talk about a player for the Jazz, I think it was Rudy Gobert, getting in foul trouble. And like it's been said, like we all know, you can't help your team from the bench. And you have to understand, once you pick up that first foul and maybe even that second one, you kind of have an understanding of how the officiating is going to go. And it's up to you as a player to use your basketball IQ, your basketball knowledge, to not pick up 
another chief foul or another foul that will send you to the bench, especially if you're a key part of your team. And again, like we all know, you can't help your team from the bench. So being in foul trouble really doesn't help your team much at all. So the Grizzlies had some momentum carried in from the play-in tournament. And they go in there and they beat Utah. They went and played basketball. A young team with nothing to lose are trying to prove a point that they are up and coming. And it showed yesterday with their win over the number one team, the Utah Jazz. There's been talk of Donovan Mitchell being upset that he was a scratch for that game and some of the decision-making by the coaching staff down the stretch of that game. But again, you can argue it, you can be upset about it, but you can't help your team from the sideline. You can't help your team from the bench. You have to be able to play and perform in any shape or way to help your team. So you can, again, you can argue that some of the decisions made were not to your liking, but you weren't there to make the difference in those decisions. So now it's something that you have to live with and you have to move on and look forward, prepare yourself for game two. And that's just the way it is. I mean, especially at this state, you know, you were coming off of injury. It's a seven game series. It's no need to rush you back just to get a win. And I mean, in game one, you still got possibly six more games to play to win the series. So it's not a, a total loss. I I do understand the confidence breaker there where for the Utah Jazz, where you feel like we're playing the eighth seed and we should beat them without question, even if we don't have our star player. We've done enough all season, but we felt like we've done enough all season to beat this team. But again, they're coming in off of the playing tournament with a little bit of momentum, a little bit of steam, and you as the number one seed, you're coming in off of a week, a week and a couple days rest. So you should have been prepared a little bit better, uh, I believe. And it's just, it is what it is. So in that series, like I said, the Grizzlies are up one. Uh, Grizzlies are up one nothing in that series. And their next game is Wednesday, game two. So we move into now the Hawks and the Knicks. A much talked about matchup, like I mentioned to you, the comments of the interim coach of the Hawks, Nate McMillan, in regards to that game and in regards to the New York Knicks and them being and them being there being in the playoffs. The Hawks come into that building and they went down, came down to a last second buzzer beater shot that was hit by Trey Young. The inexperience uh, of both of those teams, more so uh, as a group on the Knicks side of the playoff atmosphere and being in the playoffs, was a little evident there. There were some swings, of course, we all know that basketball is a game of runs. Uh, there was an 11-point lead, I believe, by the Knicks or the Hawks at one point. And then there was like a 7-point lead by the other team. So not really much. But I think the Knicks in that first game, again, the lack of playoff experience for that group kind of showed uh, in that moment. Uh, getting back to or staying with the Knicks. When we talked a few weeks ago, we talked about Julius Randle uh, being in contention for most improved player. Their best player yesterday was a bench player, a role player, a former 76er, and Alec Burks, who scored, I believe, 27 points off the bench. I can somewhat easily say or somewhat confidently say that if that's going to be their mode of attack 
they're not going to win that series. And I'm not saying that the Hawks are better than them. In my opinion, in the Eastern Conference, this 4-5 is arguably the most matched challenge or the most matched series, evenly matched series throughout the East. Excuse me. Um, I just think that the Hawks, and per their coach and his comments, had something to prove in a small way in that game. And again, for the Knicks, and I'm not downplaying the Knicks. Like I said, I praise the Knicks for everything that they've done this this season to get it to get into the playoffs, to get back into the playoffs. But you're going to have a tough time and arguably not win this series if your all-star, your best player, is not performing at a high level. Your top performer, again, was a bench player, a role player for your team. And just proves my point again when there was the chatter about Joel Embiid possibly falling out of MVP contention, and we've recently seen that he is now a finalist for the MVP award, that you have to have your star players perform at a high level if you want to win a playoff series. Just touching on that MVP race real quickly, as Joel is a finalist, just throwing this out there, Joel Embiid and the Sixers won their first game. The Denver Nuggets on Saturday fell to the Portland Trailblazers with the person that a lot of people are saying is going to end up winning the MVP in Nikola Jokic. But we'll talk about that when I get to the Sixers talk a little bit more. And <clears throat> that Hawks-Knicks series is arguably, I think, going to be the best series in the Eastern Conference. The winner of that series gets the winner of the Sixers-Wizards. Again, two teams playing each other that I feel like very confident the Sixers could beat in a seven-game series. It's just how I feel. It's just my confidence level in my home team. So it's a little biased there, yes, arguably. But as far as the way the team performed, I'm speaking the Sixers right now, the way they performed throughout the season, even when star players were down, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons were down, they kept it rolling and, again, never fell no lower than the two spot. So we'll see what happens with that. Again, I think the lack of experience on that Knicks team is going to come into play throughout that entire series. And again, your your team MVP, your alleged star best player, Julius Randle, has to perform a lot better in order for them to win that series. He just has to. It's just the way things are. You know, like I said, we're at Heat 100 Radio where we keep it 100. And I'm going to keep it 100 with you. It just has to be a better out, better showing from your star player in the playoffs or else it's going to be a long series for you. So we move on to yesterday's Lakers Suns. If we go back to last season in the bubble, the Lakers, in the first round, they lost the one game to Portland, and then they came back and won four straight. Then they moved to the second round, again, the same thing. Lose one game, game one, and come back and win four straight. Ultimately get to the finals and win the NBA finals. This is not the same Lakers team. They are down 0-1 to a Phoenix team that has not been in the playoffs since 2010. But they have players on that team and a coaching staff that are not going to back down. Right now, in my opinion, there's no fear in anyone of the Lakers right now. This team right now, I don't believe, I don't feel is going to have that same impact, that same momentum 
where they lose this one game and then come back and just win four straight like it was nothing. I don't see that happening this year. Like I said, this is a different Lakers team uh, coming into this season. Uh, it showed as they started out 2-3 and then they fell. And then there was one point where we were here on the show and we even mentioned it. We talked about what if the Lakers fell into the play-in tournament. Then there was the talk from LeBron James about the play-in tournament where he felt the person that developed it, came up with it, <clears throat> excuse me, should be fired. I think that was all solely because his team had the potential of being in that play-in tournament and it proved to be true in which they were. If you backtrack to 2020, there was a point, and this was all pointed out, there was a point at that 2020 season where LeBron kind of lobbied for some of the teams. I think one of the teams was the Grizzlies. I don't remember who those teams were at all, but there was a point where he felt like, and he made a statement to the effects of, let those teams play each other to have a fighting chance to get in. And then we move on with the playoffs. And then it turns around, the shoe's on the other foot, and it's your team, the defending NBA champions, in that position currently or at the time. And now you bring this up again where, oh, the person that came up with this idea should be fired. This makes no sense. You're not going to get the cakewalk just because you won the championship. We all know how difficult it is to win one. And we know how extremely difficult it is to go back to back. And win the second one. Again, this Lakers team, in my opinion, does not put the fear into a lot of people as they felt like they should. I, I also believe and in, and in agree and am in agreement with some others in the media, in the NBA world, where I've talked about this with Frank, I've talked about this with other people, I feel like the key to the Lakers right now is Anthony Davis playing the five, the center position, which we all know he doesn't like to do. If you look at highlights and you look at the box score and you check film from yesterday's game, DeAndre Ayton was the best big on the floor last night. And I'm not stretching and saying he's the best big man in that series. He's going to push them to win the series. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what I saw last night. He was the best big on the floor last night between both of those teams. We all know who LeBron is and what LeBron does. We're not going to talk about the flops or anything of that nature right now, but we all know who LeBron is and what LeBron does. Again, I think the biggest part that is going to weigh in heavily, extremely heavily on their progression and their success in these playoffs in their quest for a repeat is Anthony Davis is going to have to play some five. He's going to have to play some center. And yesterday, DeAndre Ayton showed that he is up for the challenge. There was a little scary moment um, flipping over to the Suns just quickly for the Suns when Chris Paul got hurt. But as a leader, he willed himself and he came back and played. He was not himself. We saw that. But he came back because, again, like I mentioned about the Jazz series, you can't help your team from the bench, from the sideline. And I mentioned to some people going into the playoffs that KCP, Wesley Matthews, Dennis Schroeder, Alex Caruso, some of those guys that have had success playing with LeBron and the team that they had last year, where the game was easy for them with their specialties, shooting the threes, they're going to have to play some defense in this series. Chris Paul is a little up there in age, but he's one of my favorite point guards throughout the league because of how he can control the game. 
at any given moment, scoring or not scoring. And he showed that yesterday, coming back with an injury, he got that team back together. And then you look at the stud, the man, the grown man on that team. And there's no disrespect to anybody else on that team. Everybody else played pretty good. But there's a light-skinned guy out there in Phoenix. His name is Devin Booker. And this is where I make this is where I was referencing 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 when I said KCP, Wesley Matthews, Alex Caruso. Those guys are gonna have to play some defense. If they come out and play like they played last night, Devin Buckets is gonna get plenty of buckets. And they will oust the Lakers from the playoffs. I'm not calling it now. I'm just analyzing what I saw yesterday. So, again, a big part is going to be Anthony Davis is going to have to get it in his mind that he's going to have to play big. He's going to have to play that five spot, that center spot, in order for the Lakers to have success. And DeAndre Ayton just showed him yesterday that I'm here, I have nothing to lose, and I'm going to ball out and I'm going to play. And it's up to you. If you want to play, so be it. If not, I'm going to continue to do what I do, and we'll see what happens at the end of the series. So it is very, very imperative that Anthony Davis plays the center. I mean, we all know, like I mentioned, that's not something that he wants to do. That was part of his talk um, and his spiel with going to the Lakers that he didn't have to play the five. But, dude, you're the biggest guy on the court. You cannot continually settle for the jump shots, for the three-pointers. You have to play some with your back to the basket. You have to play that center spot in order for the Lakers to have the success that they are looking to have. If not, it's going to be a long series and a possible dismissal early from the playoffs for the Los Angeles Lakers. Frank's not chiming in, so I'm sure he's a little different in my opinions. He's a little different in what I'm saying. Um, but you have to understand basketball. And you have to understand what you saw yesterday. That it's not going to happen if he doesn't play that five spot. It's just not. It's just what I saw yesterday. And again, like I said, those other guys, those wing guys, are definitely going to have to get there together and play some defense. Because if not, the way he played yesterday, Devin Booker is going to kill them. He's going to continually get buckets and possibly, again, oust them from the playoffs. We move on to Sixers-Wizards. Got a lot to talk here. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to close out today with Sixers-Wizards playoffs first round. We're going to talk uh, quite a bit about that game. And... I'm going to come notice, I'm going to bring to your attention some differences in some of the things I said earlier in this segment in comparison to what the Sixers did and how the Sixers played yesterday. You are tuned in the sports rap right now on Heat 100 Radio, heat100radio.com. Stay tuned. I will be back on the other side in just a minute, and we'll get to the Sixers talk and run this thing through the end of the show. Stay tuned, folks. I'll be back in just a few minutes. to the final segment of the Sports Rap Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio. It's your boy D, holding it down for the squad, holding it down for the crew. And it is now time to get into our Sixers analysis from yesterday's game against the Washington Wizards, our foe in the first round of the NBA playoffs 2021. Sixers take that game overall by seven points, 125 to 118. But there are a few things that I want to talk about, about the team going in and about the game yesterday. 
one of the things I want to talk about um, are the grades for each player on the roster. I'm going to talk a little bit about the box score. I'm going to take a look at that for both teams, and then I'm going to talk some comparisons, like I mentioned to you, about some of the other games that went on where some things could seem to have been similar to that. So just real quick, running through the grades, end-of-season grades for the team. Uh, starting with the starting five, Joel Embiid, A-plus, of course. Ben Simmons, A-minus. Tobias Harris, A. Seth Curry, A-minus. Danny Green, A-minus. So there could be some discussions, some dialogue, some arguments about some of these grades. I understand that. I am just reporting what overall the grades are. And I may have to revisit this um, another time when we talk about these grades. But continuing on. Shake Milton, B minus. Furcon Korkmaz, B minus. Uh, George Hill, C plus. Matisse Thibel, B. Dwight Howard, B plus. Mike Scott, C minus. Tyrese Maxey, B minus. Isaiah Joe and Paul Reed, both B minus. Anthony Tolliver, C minus. And we got two incompletes, and we understand why these are two incompletes. Rajon Tucker and Gary Clark are incomplete grades for the season. So yesterday was the kickoff for the Sixers, like I posted yesterday, in their quest for an NBA title. Again, Joel Embiid is a finalist for MVP of the league, and Ben Simmons is a finalist for defensive player of the league. So the Sixers arguably uh, could be looked at going into this series as this being a win, a very easy win, if you will, for them. Season series, they swept the Wizards 3-zip. And I think that will hold force, hold faith in the series. I, I'm not 100% sure if it's going to be a sweep, but I definitely believe that the Sixers will win the series, no question in my mind, no doubts at all. They have Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook. Uh, I think the team, it's been reported that the team had been really getting after it, getting after each other in practice, preparing themselves for this game. So that leads me to believe that the new culture that Doc has instilled in this team, in this organization, is being bought into by the players and they're not taking anybody for granted at this point. Cause like I said, we all know basketball is a game of runs. Teams are going to make runs. Again, you could argue that my uh, Washington came in with some momentum after playing in the, in the uh, playing tournament and they had their moments when they, they took leads and they had runs. Okay. But ultimately Looking at the surface, I don't believe any of the centers, the three that they have, Gafford, Lopez, or Alex Lynn, can really do anything with Joel Embiid. It showed yesterday in that second half. The comparison I wanted to make was the Rudy Gobert thing and the Joel Embiid. Okay, the two fouls, the offensive foul, which gave him number two, and then the somewhat blocking foul, on Alex Lynn that gave him number three where he had to sit a lot in the first half in my opinion were very questionable calls uh for that game very very questionable calls for that game and I just want to say the difference in Joel as far as his status and giving him some leverage for the MVP race we saw what he did in the second half. Uh, just peeking at the box score real quick, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this before I close out. He ended with 30 points yesterday. He only had nine points in the entire first half. He ended with 30. Six rebounds, three assists on nine of 16 shooting. They wanted to keep fouling him, but then again, they had no choice because of his skill set and the way he's been playing all season long. 
12 or 13 from the free throw line. He shot three threes, didn't make any of them, which is okay. He did his damage where he was supposed to, on the block, in and around the paint. Some fadeaway jumpers, but those are his shots, and we know that. Some double-teamed, a couple triple-teamed, and he still got it done. But I understood that he got those three fouls in the first half, and I don't believe he got any more fouls at all throughout that game in the second half. And he came out in the second half, uh, and he showed the player that he is, the player that we all expected him to be in that game, where he pretty much dominated all three of those centers in that game. There was not a center in the league, in my opinion, by far, who could really hold the candle to Joel Embiid this year. He proved that, and he showed that throughout the entire season. Okay, um, If you remember, there were a few games where he got knocked around, uh, especially that Washington Wizards game where he got hurt when he ultimately went out and ended about and missed about 18 games. But what he did in that game, he got hurt early in that game, but then he came back and continued to dominate like an MVP. Frank, thanks for tuning in. So we understand that. And again, like I said, as far as the comparison between him and Rudy Gobert and Rudy Gobert fouling out of that game yesterday, Joel Embiid took it upon himself and understood how the refs were calling calls and did what he had to do on the defensive end and on the offensive end to stay in the game to help his team win. More importantly, Tobias Harris. And, and I've got to give major applause to Tobias Harris because he started out early in that game and continued throughout the game. His box score totals look like this 37 points six rebounds two assists on 15 of 29 shooting five of five from the free throw line and two of five from the three-point line an amazing game proving why we here at sports rap felt like tobias harris was omitted and overlooked and should have been involved in the all-star game this past season career high in points for a playoff game for him and some of the things that he said in the post game conference post game uh press conference were the things that I did are it's just showing the work that's been put in to get to this point so Joel Embiid was out had to sit out due to foul trouble early in that game and again like we said he couldn't help his team from the sideline we understand that but we've got more. Joel understood that, and there was never any dissuade in him. There was no dropping of the head. He understood that it's a playoff atmosphere. I'm going to be needed, so the coaches are doing the right thing by making me sit. Or I, whatever happened, I have to sit now, so I know when I get back in, I've got to go to work and do what I need to do, what I've been doing all season to help this team win. Tobias Harris had his back. People will argue, and I've saw some quotes and stuff this post this morning, that people are still harping on the offensive side of the ball for Ben Simmons. I understand it where people get that and people are going to talk about that, but people are who they are. Some of those people, in my opinion, don't truly understand basketball because he had 15 rebounds along with 15 assists. So if you just play with the numbers a little bit, he totaled six points. He was three of nine shooting. Uh, he missed all his free throws. We definitely got to work on that. And he hit that, shot that one three-pointer at the buzzer late. Um, this really didn't really matter much. But, yeah, definitely the zero from six, 
from the free throw line has to be improved drastically. But again, 15 rebounds, 15 assists. So again, playing with the numbers, let's just say all those were just two-pointers. He had his hand on 30 points. Yeah, I got quiet for a second, as I always do, to prove that point and make people hear it. 15 assists. Responsible for at least 30 points. Okay? So there's a big part. And again, I understand people wanting him to do a lot more on offense. And like I said, I can see it, I understand it. But you have to look at the entire game, the floor game that he played. The defense that he played pretty much the entire game. And I do understand he was mostly on Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill did end up with 33 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists on 13 to 23 shooting. But he shot 6 free shot six for 6 from the free throw line and 1 of 6 from 3-pointers. But you also have to understand, if you understand basketball, guys like Bradley Bill who's been scoring like that uh, in contention for the scoring title in the league this season, he's going to get buckets. He's going to find ways to put the ball in the basket. But there were crucial moments, crucial points in the game where he had a couple turnovers, the defense was very tough and he couldn't get that shot off or whatever. Also, Russell Westbrook didn't have a great game, so there was a focus on him. Russell Westbrook's uh, stat line, 16 points, 5 rebounds, 14 assists. This is something that he does. 7 of 17 field goals from the floor, 0 of 2 three-pointers, and only 2 for 2 from the free throw line. It was a concerted effort to have one of them contained. Couldn't let both of them go off. And like I said, Bradley Bill is a scorer. So we understood and we knew that he was going to get some buckets. Got a lot of them yesterday to the tune of 33 points. Didn't matter because we had Tobias Harris. We had a second half of Joel Embiid. Also, key baskets from Danny Green. Only total on the level points, but double figures nonetheless. Then there was Seth Curry, who started off slow, but had his entire 15 points in that second half of yesterday's game. Shots came in timely manners. When they buckets were needed, he got buckets for us. So it was a concerted effort. A little bit more from others, but it was a concerted effort all the way around. Dwight Howard, when Joel got in foul trouble, came in and played some crucial minutes. We all know at this stage in his career, he's not the scorer that he was. That's not his role on this particular team. But he did his job. Okay. Uh, the person that I mentioned a lot about, I was asked last week, who would be, who did I think would be my X factor for the Sixers going into the playoffs? I've heard some other names, but the name that I picked out was George Hill. I think he started off on a good note this year for the playoffs for the Sixers, and I think his play helped. Uh, he is battle-tested. He's been in the playoffs before, a veteran point guard, a solid point guard, and he understands. He's in tune with this coach. As you saw, there were moments when he was talking to Doc on the sideline and he was talking to his teammates. To the tune of 11 points off the bench, two rebounds, two assists on five of eight shooting from the floor. Didn't shoot any free throws, and he was one for three from three-point land, which is a solid outing, in my opinion, from a bench player who is who came to us late in the season, had a crash course in getting the system down, and now is in the playoffs and performing well so far. Again, I don't think that there will be much of an issue. I think Joel Embiid will have a better game, if you can say a better game, in game two. And I only say that because, like I said, now he understands somewhat how the game is going to be officiated and the things that he needs to do 
to sustain himself in the game and play more of a bigger role within the game. And again, like I said, you could say that, but he still ended, like I said, with 30 points, which is what you want from your star, one of your star players. Again, Tobias Harris carried the load for the most part to the tune of 37 points. Again, that argument with Ben Simmons, I'm, I'm not in agreement with a lot of people, but I understand their perspective. But again, 15 points, 15, I'm not sorry, 15 points, 15 assists, 15 rebounds, I think is a, is a pretty good feat for your facilitator in a game of that magnitude, playoff magnitude at home. I, getting back to Joel Embiid, again, I, I understand and I, I feel like he understands how the game is going to be efficient. And again, I say, none of those centers really have anything that to combat Joel Embiid, Alex Lynn, Gafford, or Robin Lopez. They run the doubles, but I think they're going to be a little bit more selective on how they double team him because of the games that Tobias Harris had. The shot selection and the shots that Seth Curry made in the second half. The timely three-point buckets that Danny Green made in that game. They will think or rethink how and when and where they double-team Joel because he actually passed well out of the double-team yesterday. Uh, Matisse Thybul didn't have a great shooting night, didn't score any points, but he gets under your skin. So he had his moments where he came in and did his job and played some tough defense on Bradley Beal. Again, I don't think the Sixers will have a problem with this team. I just don't think that they have enough. Uh, When that Washington team goes small, they are at a terrible, terrible disadvantage, especially with what we saw yesterday. There were times when there was Raul Neto guarding Tobias Harris. There were times when Ish Smith was guarding Tobias Harris. Although that one jumper that he settled for and Ish Smith got a piece of it, but he understood that. And then he realized what he needed to do to get back, get his rhythm back, get back in the flow, and he took care of that. So with this coaching staff, with this change of culture that the players have seemed to buy in, I don't see any problem with us winning this series, hands down. Like I said, I can't 100% say that it's going to be a sweep, and I don't want to wish it and jinx it, but I do wholeheartedly and very, very confidently believe that the Sixers will win this series, and 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 it's not going seven. Okay, I think it may possibly go five, six at the most, but it's definitely not going to go seven where they will get a chance to take a little bit of a rest and be awaiting the winner of the Knicks-Hawks series, which I think is going to get better. Uh, I think Tibbs Tibbs will have them prepared, use that film from yesterday, and have them prepared for game two. And and we'll see what happens with that series. But in all in all, I think the Sixers have a good path to the Eastern Conference Finals. And just – Sleight of hand, what if the Sixers make it to the NBA Finals? Going to be fun times in the city. Uh, We are very, very ecstatic, very excited about this team with the potential of this team, and we are looking forward to possibly having another parade. Again, that Western Conference is a little shaky. And I said the defending champs had to be in the playing game, currently down 0-1 in their series. And we know what I mentioned earlier, what needs to be done for them to get past this first round. And again, there's no fear. They don't have that fear factor anymore as far as the Lakers against other teams. They don't have that fear factor anymore. I think the Sixers yesterday showed that they are focused confident but not overconfident in the things that they can do i think they are focused 
and ready and up for the challenge. And I think they're going to have a extremely, extremely, an extremely deep run in these 2021 playoffs and possibly reach the NBA Finals and hopefully bring the Larry O'Brien Trophy back to the city of Philadelphia. Uh, history poses itself as it has done in prior years. The last time the Sixers had a candidate for MVP was the 2000 team who went to the Finals. They ultimately went up against an superior L.A. Lakers team when the Sixers had some injuries and they won one game and then the Lakers came back and won four. But that's nonetheless the history pose. History repeats itself. We'll end up in the finals. And this year, I think they will have a more more of a fighting chance at winning that title and bringing that trophy back to Philadelphia. Closing out with some stats as well. And people talk about the offensive play of Ben Simmons. And let's just go the two point guards starting out. Uh, total, Ben only had one steal yesterday, but he did play solid defense. He ended up with two turnovers, which is pretty good for your alleged starting point guard. The Sixers played solid defense on Russell Westbrook, who ended up with six turnovers and zero steals. So disparity there, hands down, goes to the Sixers and Ben Simmons. Overall, team-wise, field goals, 46 of 93 for the Sixers. That means they got up more shots. They got some offensive rebounds. 49 of 40, 49 of, I think, uh, 49 of 98. So the Wizards got up more shots when they wanted to run. Um, they shot a higher field goal percentage, 55.7% to the Sixers, 49.5. The Sixers outshot them on threes, 10 of 32, where it was very, very poor. In the first half, but it picked up again, picked up in the second half. Eight of 20 on threes for the Wizards. Turnovers as a team, 11 total for the Sixers, 15 for the Wizards. Uh, and points off turnovers, nine for the Wizards and 15 for the Philadelphia 76ers. Closing out, we have schedules for today's sports activity. We're going to start off with the Major League Baseball schedule. Before I do that, uh, Sixers, again, will play game two against the Wizards on Wednesday, probably a 7, 7.30 start because it's here. So you have the Rays at the Blue Jays. The Phillies are in Florida to face off against the Marlins. The Indians and the Tigers, the Rockies and the Mets. The Orioles and the Twins. The Padres and the Brewers. The Cardinals and the White Sox. And the Mariners are at the Athletics. In NHL Monday, the Maple Leafs and the Canadians, the Oilers and the Jets, the Wild and the Golden Knights, the Islanders, Penguins, Lightning, Panthers. One game in the WNBA tonight, the Wings are at the Liberty. And recouping or continuing with the NBA playoffs tonight, you've got the Heat at the Bucks. The Bucks are up in that series one zip. That game is at 7.30 p.m. on TNT. Then you have game two also on TNT at 10 p.m. The Blazers and the Nuggets, and the Blazers are up one zip in that series. Again, thanks to everyone that tuned in earlier that is to, that are tuned in now. I appreciate the support. Um, thank you for your continued support. Uh, just remember, we are here for you, and we give you the sports as we see it but we also bring it to you with an understanding for all of our listeners. Once again, remember, SportsRap has openings for interviews and advertisements and possible sponsorships. Shoot me an email at sportswrap at yahoo.com, or you can DM me on Instagram at sportswrap underscore D, or you can send me a message in the group SportsRap Podcast on Facebook. So you know where to find me, and I'm going to give you this all again. Instagram and Twitter, at SportsRap underscore D. Facebook, SportsRap Podcast is the group page. You can also get over to the webpage, SportsRapRadio.com. You can check YouTube, SportsRap TV, for all the videos and anything that you missed on the live show. You can also get audio on the podcast, the feed, iHeart, Spreaker, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most of 
your podcast outlets. Today is Monday, May 24th, 2021. The sun is coming out today. It's going to be a little cloudy. They said there were chances of rain, but it's Monday. You were awakened. Your eyes are open. You're up and about, so be blessed about that. As always, be great on purpose, and I'll see you all week on social media-ish. It's your boy, Sports Rap D, signing out. Thank you all for tuning in. Enjoy some music, some classic hip-hop as we do on Sports Rap. I'm going to leave you with Beats to the Rhyme, Run DMC. Thanks for tuning in, folks. I'll see you all on the other side.